Every haunted place has a story with a dark past. This is Ghost Encounters Podcast. Due to the graphic and violent things discussed on this episode, listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, all you spooky people, to the eighth episode of the second season of Ghost Encounters Podcast. I am paranormal investigator Justin Torok. I'm Kayla, the one with the wit. And I'm Jordan, the group scientist. A few quick reminders. The Spooky Shop is open to get all your Ghost Encounters merch just in time for those holiday presents that you want to get people, or if you just want to get something yourself over the holidays. Um, Another reminder, uh, the GoFundMe for Hank is still up. Please donate whatever you can. Um, and if you haven't already, watch the Perry Mansion episode of Ghost Encounters on YouTube. Her name is Yaz. She gave us some very nice uh, messages on Instagram. She's from California. So thank you to all of our California listeners. Actually, 17% is from California. Really? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. More than Pennsylvania, which that I thought was That sounds like weird. we need to up and go to California for a little I trip. I think we Let's should. Let's go. <laughs> we can go see the Cecil Hotel for ourselves. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> so thank you, Yaz, for the kind words and uh, for being a listener and for giving us this cool topic. The topic for uh, this week is cursed movies. So when I think of haunted movies, the first one that I always think of is Poltergeist. It's also the most famous, like, cursed set. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And we've actually talked about Poltergeist in some previous episodes. Um, for those of you who haven't watched the movie, I'm going to give a brief summary on what the movie's about. Basically, this family called the Freelings, they're a typical suburban family, and the husband is in real estate, and they end up living in one of these new developments that I think his company has helped selling some of the houses. So they're they're in a brand new house, shouldn't be haunted, right? It's a brand new build, whatever. What could go wrong? Exactly. Well, soon living in this house, strange things starts happening, like the the furniture starts moving on its own, um, glasses start moving. There's this funny scene where the wife is, like, excited showing the, the husband what's going on. And, like, she puts a chair down and it just slides all the way across the kitchen floor. Yeah. And they're kind of making a joke of it. And the one day, like, they come home and, like, all the kitchen chairs are stacked up on top of each other. Yep. Like, weird <laughs> shit starts going on. Then, Carol Ann, the youngest daughter, starts talking to this evil... Well, we don't know that it's evil yet, but this, this entity... Uh, through the television. The television is just static, right? Uh As we know, sometimes we can hear spirit voices talking through the white noise, and she's talking to these spirits through the white noise of the television while the parents are sleeping. That's super fucking creepy. And I'll never forget. Yeah, there's this. The the, the mother's like asking, hey, who are you talking to? And she turns around, she's like, they're here. Oh, iconic line. Yeah. So shit starts going nuts a bit. Um, Shit starts flying all around the rooms. And eventually, Carol Ann gets sucked into this portal or vortex through her bedroom closet. And now she's gone. And the family cannot find her. And all of a sudden, they start, like, hearing her, but only can communicate to her also through the television set. So she is now in this paranormal plane. And they don't know what the hell to do because who's going to believe them that no, this happened? No, exactly. Right? My closet so, ate my daughter? Yeah. So then they call upon um, these group of paranormal researchers. And it's funny. I, I remember this one this one scene. Um, the guy was like, yeah, we got this shot. It took like eight hours, but this thing moved across the table. And like they, he's like, oh, really? And he opens the, like, the kid's bedroom door, and all this shit is just flying around yeah. the room. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so they start investigating and they all experience things. Um, there's this really eerie scene where one of those investigator guys, he's looking at himself in a mirror and like all of a sudden he's envisioning himself like tearing his face apart. Ew. Like weird, creepy visions, all kinds of shit. Yeah, I definitely um, not did not see this movie. Yeah. I can't believe you haven't <laughs> seen this. This has like been one of my favorites since I was a very young kid. Then the paranormal team is like, all right, we need an expert because we can't handle this. So they call upon this woman called Tangina. And she is this short little medium woman who apparently has dealt with these kinds of situations before. And after a little bit, they end up sending the mom through the vortex in like with a rope attached to her to get Carol Ann back out. And when they get back out, they're all covered in all this ectoplasm and goop and all kinds of shit. Oh, right? very stranger things And them. they think that things are coming down and whatever. Well, that's when, boom, shit hits the fan. Of course. And, like, everything goes crazy. Um, the kids start being almost sucked into the vortex. The the mom tries to help them, and she's seen by this, like, weird skeleton figure. Mm-mm. She runs out the house. The dad's not home. <clears throat> she runs out the house to try to get help, and she falls into the, um, the pit where their pool is being dug that's now filled with rainwater because it's raining out. And all these bodies and coffins start shooting out from the mud and the sludge. Ew. And then the dad finally gets home and everyone's screaming, what the hell's going on? And the whole house freaking implodes. And they find out that this neighborhood, this new development, was actually built on an old cemetery. And the builder, the owners, said, oh yeah, we moved the cemetery. It was peaceful. It was nice. We moved the whole cemetery. In order to save money, they just moved the headstones. Oh so my they built God. all Could these you houses imagine? on top of graves. I feel like this would happen. And they were pissed. <laughs> they were like, absolutely pissed. Yeah, I feel like that's something that would definitely happen in real one, life. One of the funny happened. scenes was in the end, They so the family like drives off pissed, and they go into a hotel, and you see the hotel door shut, but then it opens back up, and the dad throws the TV out. Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> it kills me. He's like, I don't think so. And... Um, as I said in one of the previous podcast episodes, the Poltergeist uh, movie was actually based on a real-life story. I'm not going to get into that right now. You can go listen to that episode of the podcast, which was um, Types of Hauntings, right? It was I that believe one we so, talked yeah. about, Poltergeist? Yep. Yeah. And with this Poltergeist movie actually came some actual hauntings and tragedies. This movie was a huge success and is now a classic film, but the majority of the fuel for this alleged curse stems from the deaths of at least four cast members. Um, Two of them were actually um, a little bit tragic and very unexpected. Many fans speculate that the trilogy's curse and eerie implications come from this rumor that real skeletons were used in the first movie versus plastic skeletons because, here we go, it was cheaper to get real skeletons than plastic. So just like in the first movie, when the builder saves money by only moving the headstones. Now Steven Spielberg uses real skeletons to save money instead of plastic ones, and people think that's why this movie was cursed. But remember, the actors were literally climbing through a pit of skeletons. Yeah, real human remains. So keep in mind, they were climbing through real human bodies. Hell no. Yeah. The first death I want to mention is Heather O'Rourke. Uh, she played Carol Ann, uh, the youngest daughter, the one that said, they're here. She was only six years old when she filmed the first Poltergeist movie. Obviously captivated audiences with her 
stark blonde hair and her doll-like appearance and her big, inquisitive eyes. Sadly, however, she was misdiagnosed with Crohn's disease in 1987. The following year, uh, she fell ill again and her symptoms were casually attributed by the flu. A day later, she collapsed and suffered cardiac arrest. And she was very young for that to happen. After being airlifted to a children's hospital in San Diego, uh, she unfortunately died during an operation to correct a bowel obstruction and died of septic shock, and later believed that she had been suffering from congenital intestinal abnormality. Yeah, that's so interesting. That they and, and very sad that they found that very out young later. For that yeah. stuff to happen. Yeah. Awful. Then we have the tragic death of Dominique Dune. Uh, Dominique played the original older sister, Dana Freeling. Um, in 1982, Dune separated from her partner, John Sweeney. In November of that year, he showed up at her house, pleading for her to take him back. Uh, when she refused, Sweeney grabbed Dune's neck, choked her until she was unconscious, and left her to die in her Hollywood home's driveway. What the f- Sweeney what was sentenced to six and a half years in prison, but was released only after three years and seven months. That's awful. That's yeah. disgusting. There's no justice there for the no. family. No. Not, Not at all. all. You literally choked her to death in her own driveway and just left her there. And you got out. But you wanted three and a half her, years. So you loved her so much that you're pleading for her to like come back to you and everything like that, but then yeah, well, you just the, left her ass. It's in those the crazy driveway. people it's that the, I that. can't have you, so no, no one, one will. Yeah, yeah. That's oh Yep. That's messed up. Then we have Julian Beck and Will Sampson. The evil preacher Kane from Poltergeist 2 was played by Julian Beck. In 1983, Beck had been diagnosed with stomach cancer, which took his life soon after he finished the work on the second installment of the series. The same film was met with a further tragedy after Will Sampson, who played Taylor, the Native American uh, shaman, died after undergoing a heart-lung transplant, which had a very slim survival rate. Um, Sampson, a real-life medicine man who passed away due to those circumstances I just mentioned, actually performed an authentic exorcism after shooting wrapped up one night, and I can only imagine how that kind of played to the eeriness of the movie and around the cast members. Like, I just yeah. think it's crazy that they really, like, felt this. Like, you yeah. know, they felt like it they, was completely necessary to do an to exorcism do this of on set. set. Yeah. yeah. A couple other strange things that happened. Um, actress Jo Beth Williams, who played Diane, the mom, said that during filming, uh, when she would return home from set, the pictures on her wall would always be crooked and she would straighten them out, but every night she came home, they'd be crooked. Not too, too eerie, but still something that's a little strange. It's Um, noticeable. And she was actually the one that claimed Spielberg insisted on using actual human skeletons to save money. Oh, okay. And she's the one that had to crawl through them, so I think I'd believe her. Yeah, I'd believe her. Unless he said that just to creep her out, to add to her acting. But I feel like if she had to crawl through them she would know the difference between a plastic skeleton and an actual skeleton. Exactly. That's actually a really good point. I mean, I'm pretty sure you can tell plastic skeletons versus Yeah, I feel like if you were crawling crawling out of, like, a pit full of them, you'd be able to tell the difference between, like, old human bone and plastic. It's probably not as creative as they are now, like, with designing, like, back in the day. And making them look actually real. Yeah, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to go with they were real skeletons. It it adds to the lore (laughs) surrounding this movie and the creepiness. Um, It would explain some things. It would. It would. It's just ironic that the hauntings happen in the movie because... They took the cheap way out and only moved the headstones. And, and now you know? the movie's cursed because they took the cheap way out and used real skeletons versus yep. fake ones. You know. 
Another movie that comes to mind when you're thinking of cursed movies, haunted sets, is The Exorcist from 1973. Um, The movie is based on the book by William Peter Blatty, but the book is actually based on, I mentioned this in in some previous podcast episodes. So go listen to it. The real exorcism of Roland Doe. Yeah. Won't get into that, but if you listen to the previous episodes, you'll hear about that. Um, I hope everyone has seen The Exorcist. I um, have. I I've seen have. The Exorcist. See? Very good. I um, will say I have not seen it in many years, but I have seen it. For those of you who haven't seen it, the whole movie is around this little girl who's around 12 years old named uh, Reagan. Um, her mom is an actress, relocates her and her daughter to Washington, D.C., where she's filming. The dad's apparently out of the picture, um, and they're just renting this house until their other house that's being built in like Los Angeles is, is actually done. Um, but as soon as they move in, like, they start noticing strange things. The mom's hearing what sounds like rats in the attic. Um, but Reagan starts being and acting weird, like, very strange. She becomes a little aggressive. She's uh, not focusing on school, all kinds of stuff. Um, then it turns out that Reagan has been playing the Ouija board and talking to an invisible friend named Captain Howdy. No, no. Yep. Nope. Um, this little girl who has always been you know, a gem is now has hyperactivity, she's swearing, there's lack of concentration. Her demeanor and actions are worsening. So, her mom takes her to the doctor. The doctors run all kinds of tests and they can't find anything wrong with her. They're like, oh, she's just stressed because the move. She'll get over it. Don't worry about it. Just kids being kids. Yeah. Then shit gets way worse. Stuff starts flying across the room. She starts screaming obscenities. And her mom's like, oh my god, what do I do? So, it comes out that she used the Ouija board when they put her under hypnosis. And that's when we find out that a demon, um, it's actually the Zuzu demon, that is possessing her. Of course, when the priests come in, shit starts getting even worse. I mean, she's spitting, she's swearing, she's vomiting, like, stuff that looks like pea soup. It's me Um, on a Sunday. And they're like, she needs to go (laughs) under... (laughs) They're like, she needs to go under an exorcism, but like... The, the priests were like, you have to collect evidence. You can't just do an exorcism. You can't just the, go for the, it. The, the, yeah. the, um, the church has to approve it, all this stuff. But they're confident that they can collect enough evidence, so they do collect enough evidence. Finally, they call upon Dr. Marin, um, who apparently has done multiple exorcisms. He's come face-to-face with the devil. He's the guy. And it turns out that this demon confesses, hey... You and I fought before. I'm back. He said, hey. Um, He said, howdy. Yeah. (laughs) And they're, they're, for days, they're trying to battle, they're trying to battle this demon. She's like levitating off the bed. Holy objects are flying all over the place. Um, Marin actually ends up dying of a heart attack right outside the house on the steps. So the original priest, um, he's like, oh shit, this is on me now. So he starts battling the demon, right? And he basically, in the end, he's like, all right, you know what? Take me, take me instead. Yeah. And then the demon leaves the girl, enters him, and he sees that the, the girl is now fine. So Father Karras then jumps out the window, sacrifices himself so that this demon doesn't go to anyone else. So tell us about some spooky stuff that happened on the set. Well, there's a lot of spooky stuff that happened on this set. I know. I um, actually know a lot about this I one. don't. I don't know anything about this the set, first so I'm thing excited. that I want to mention is that there was a freak fire. What? The house that they were filming in, there is a freak fire. Apparently a bird 
flew into a circuit box. As birds do. It, it flew into it perfectly, set fire to the house, and the whole house burnt down except the room where they film where the little girl is where they perform the exorcism. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that makes me uncomfortable. I really yeah. don't like that. How weird is that? I don't like it. Yeah. And of course, this set production back quite a bit. The mother, Ellen Burstyn, um, she suffered a major back injury when being hoisted around a harness. So when the demon, like, without touching the mom, of course, like, pushes the mom, yeah. she's, like, pulled on this harness, Ooh. and apparently, like, it malfunctioned, and it pulled her, like, too hard, too quick, and she fell right on her spine, oh. and she suffered a permanent spinal injury. And the footage that you see, the scream that she lets out... Is real? That's real. Yeah. Oh. That's the shot they kept in when she's screaming from the pain. I didn't know that. I don't think I needed to know that. They also that. said that she apparently, like, whacked her head so hard that, like, <clears throat> they had to, like, pause, like, production and stuff for a oh, little yeah. while. Holy she just crap. literally cracked her head. All of that is, like, really what happened on set. That's yeah. crazy. And there were a few more accidents. Um, several of the actors and crew suffered injuries. Um, props would randomly, like, take a tumble. Um, wires would cause people to trip, but then when, they, when they'd look back, the wires aren't there. Um, one of the carpenters in New York who was, like, building set stuff, he accidentally cut off his thumb. And one of the lighting technicians lost a toe. Oh, a toe and a thumb. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Um, some other strange phenomenon. Um, and even more chilling uh, was an incident which occurred during the film's premiere in Rome. A 16th century church across the street from where the theater was playing the movie, you know, the first time it's playing, it's the premiere, it was struck by lightning, causing no its cross to way. fall to the ground. Oh, no, 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 no. no. <clears throat> I don't see, I'm not a big believer, as we know, in but um, this is demonic a, possession. A weird yeah. coincidence. But that is I'm all about like, the least. superstitions, curses, and everything like that. So if I'm at a movie to go see a horror film, yeah. and yeah. I walk out and hear that somebody, like, the thing got struck by lightning and there's a cross laying on the ground, my bitch ass is out. Like, yeah, I, no, I got a blast. Yeah. yeah. And this movie was like a big deal. Like people were like yeah, fainting and shit. Yeah, yeah that's the next thing like I was going to say. People like, were horror, vomiting horror. in the theaters. People were fainting because this was, this kind of horror was never, it was no. never this graphic before. Yeah, no, this was a big deal. Yeah. And apparently there's a rumor that there are subliminal messages throughout the movie where the demon's face is like flashed for one frame multiple times throughout the movie. Really? And I think it's been proven that it does happen, and the editors were like, we didn't do this. Like, this wasn't intentional. Oh, that's creepy. Like, it's a weird error that sometimes can happen. It just kind of happened. Yeah, that's super fucking Real creepy. weird error, or the movie itself is actually possessed? It, maybe the movie itself yeah. is actually possessed. That's believable. Um, but anyway, um, there was a lot of deaths, and over the course of filming, nine people associated with the production of The Exorcist died. Two actors uh, died before the film was released. Interestingly, both actors also lost their lives in the film. Um, some of these deaths also include a cameraman's unexpected stillborn, and yeah. a security guard, and Linda Blair's grandfather. Yeah, I knew about the grandfather. That's so sad. Yeah. Um, and, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but there was actually a murderer in the movie of The Exorcist. You yes, were telling me about was. this before we started filming, and I really yes. need to know all about this, because I had no idea. In 1972, director William Friedkin, the one who directed the movie, observed an angiogram being performed in the New York University Radiology Lab uh, while scouting extras for this upcoming film. When he witnessed a cinematic spray of blood <laughs> that resulted from this procedure, he was like, oh my god, I have to have that in my movie. And all the people that were there, he's like, 
asking them, you guys are gonna be my extras, you guys are gonna do it. And amongst those people was Paul Bateson. He was working at that, um, he was working there at the time and he brought him on in the movie. Well, in the 1970s, Paul Bateson was a gay man living in Borough Park, Brooklyn. Okay. Commuting to Manhattan for work. And he explored a lot of S&M and leather subcultures of Greenwich Village. Okay. He was also an alcoholic, oh, drinking at least good. a quart of vodka a day. Oh, wow. Oh. And couldn't hold down a job for very long. Well. Yep. Typically um, when there's that much vodka involved, there's a reason. Yeah. A couple of years after working on The Exorcist in 1973, he was fired from his hospital job and then started making money doing odd jobs like cashiering at porn theaters and cleaning apartments, all kinds oh, of things. The okay. fact that porn theaters were a thing, like, could yeah. you just imagine being like, hey, you want to go watch some watch some porn at the theater? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, there's no, just a bunch of No, I don't. A bunch of I would not like to do that with you. Buy some sticky seats. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but anyway, then in September of 1977, Four years after working on The Exorcist, a man named Addison Verrill was found beaten and stabbed to death in his Greenwich Village apartment. He had been a reporter for the Variety and was also a member of the gay community. During this trial, Paul Bateson came under more suspicion than simply just this one murder. As it turned out, there had been quite a few murders of gay men in Greenwich Village in the years leading up to his arrest. For two years, mutilated and dismembered body parts had been washing up along the Hudson River, wrapped in black plastic bags. Police traced some of their recovered clothing to a shop in Greenwich Village that, like I said, catered to the gay men in the leather subculture. Okay. Other than that, the bodies could never be identified, um, wow. nor was a murderer pinpointed. And these murders were called the Bag Murders. They began okay. in 1975 and ended in 1977. But... <clears throat> Paul Bateson was sentenced to 20 years in prison for the one murder of Addison. I thought but you were going to say also... that was for, like, more than one. I was like, that's it? <laughs> but he also confessed to killing and dismembering six other men in 1970s New York. Damn. Now, after reading this, I was completely shocked. I had no idea that this story even happened that had to do with The Exorcist. Yeah. But reading the story, I was like, oh, my God. This sounds way too much like the new season of American Horror Story. Yeah. It is It is way too close for this season not to be kind of based off this. Yeah, I'm happy I texted you and was like, hey, did you know about the murderer that was on set? Was <laughs> the like, Exorcist? Murderer? You were like, the what now? <laughs> and, yeah, absolutely wow, crazy. that's crazy. That is wild. Right? But it does make sense. You were saying earlier, American Horror Story always has something that's loosely based off yeah, of something Yeah, and this true. one I couldn't put my head around. What is uh, AHS New York loosely based on after Other reading than this New York. after reading this I'm like this has to be it yeah right I feel like it yeah I haven't watched this season yet so I can't really it's, say it's very good it's, certain, like I said but... it's all based around the kind of gay culture and the subculture of like the, the S&M leather. and leather okay. and gay men are being kidnapped and killed and it just sounds way too close to the story that is very very yeah, yeah. but on to the next uh, cursed or haunted movie Kayla, you did The Wizard of Oz. I did. So I wanted to throw you guys for a little bit of a loop. So everyone was going for horror movies, and I have a horror movie too. But my favorite movie of all time is The Wizard of Oz. I'm pretty sure everyone and their mother has seen Wizard of Oz. Yes. I hope. <laughs> I actually wrote in my notes I'm not writing the synopsis because I know this movie by heart. There's a couple people at work that were like, I've never seen The Wizard of Oz. No! And then How? all of us are like, 
We hate that movie. Like <gasps> I can't stand that oh, movie. Oh my god. Honest. Well, why don't you give so, at least a brief synopsis? Yeah, go ahead. So, as we know, The Wizard of Oz is about Dorothy. She lives with her aunt and uncle on their farm. One day, mean lady's trying to take her dog because she's a grouch. And the barn and the house get picked up in this twister, and the house ends up landing in a different place called Oz, where everyone is a munchkin, and they're all little small, like... I don't even know how to explain their outfits because they look like they're supposed to be in like um, Candyland. Yeah. But yeah. like, I don't think Candyland was around yet. So, but that's kind of the vibe. So she's there. All this stuff happens. There's witches. She's trying to get home. There's a wizard that's trying to help her. She makes friends with the Cowardly Lion, the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, and don't forget the Flying Monkeys because the Ooh, Flying Monkeys yeah. are very important. Well, most people don't know that it is believed that the set of The Wizard of Oz was cursed. Really? There were so many strange things that happened the entire time that they were filming that most of it can kind of be chalked up to the fact that this was 1939, 1938 like, when they were filming, I guess. So technology was not quite as advanced, and they were yeah. trying to really, like, pushed the envelope with this movie yeah, as far it was, as like it was the first color film right it was i think i could be wrong but i think it was either the first or one of the first and it was just such a big deal and i mean you have witches flying in the air disappearing in smoke flying yeah. monkeys it was yeah. a deal. talking scarecrow they a really talking lion it was wild well the whole way that they did these things was um just by putting everyone's safety at risk essentially <laughs> of course um because 1939 so the one that people know the most is, you're all familiar with the scene where she's laying in the poppies, they're all laying in the poppies and it starts snowing, yes. and they fall asleep. Yeah, yeah. That snow is actually asbestos. Oh my god. Um, they were just dumping asbestos on everyone. This poor girl. Yeah, because that's like a fairly newer thing. Like, yeah. you know, we didn't know about we that did kind not of know. stuff back in the day We didn't know it was bad for you. Yeah, so no, they were just dumping like scene shoot after shoot every time they did the scene they were just dumping asbestos which Jeez. means there was also just asbestos stored on this set like there were just yeah. like vats of asbestos just and sitting like, there they talk about asbestos nowadays like the littlest amount it's just like airborne so yeah. you're just fucked either way <laughs> right and, and they're just dropping here's, shit here's on her judy garland at like the ripe age of like 15, 16, in a corset nonetheless, because yeah. she was supposed to be like 12 years old, but she had boobs at that point, so they put her in this like skin-tight corset yeah. to push everything down as much as they could, and they stopped letting her eat. So she was just like Yeah, I remember her, her diet was coffee and cigarettes. Coffee and cigarettes and a lot of barbiturates wow. at the age of 16. That's crazy. Yeah, it's really, really sad. Um, and then the other one that people... I, I don't want to say is well known, but I think it's like the least of the like holy crap that really happened was the fact that the lion's costume was a real lion hide. What? I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. So that was real lion fur that he was wearing. And when he was in that outfit, he was in that outfit for the rest of the show or for the rest of shooting of the yeah. day. So he was walking around in like 170 pounds. Holy crap. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, really bad. The Tin Man could not sit down. So oh, no. the his costume Just standing all day. His costume he genuinely could not move and he could not open his mouth either because they would have to redo his makeup too often. 
So he would have to eat everything through a straw that people would have to hold up for him oh to gosh. sip on. Um, because like, he, you were not paying me enough for this. He could not physically move. And finally, this is the one that I think is just the most absolutely bonkers, insane thing to happen on a movie set. So we are all familiar with the Wicked Witch of the West, mm-hmm. her green skin. Mm-hmm. So they painted her with, um, I forget what it, it was exactly, but it was a copper-based paint. We know you can't ingest copper, right? No, like that's bad for over. you. In the scene where she disappears within a puff of smoke, during one of her takes, the trap door that she was supposed to fall into mm-hmm. when the smoke would come up did not open properly or she wasn't lined up on it. So she caught fire. Holy crap. While her entire body was covered in copper dioxide, I believe is what it was. She was rushed to the hospital. Terrible, terrible burns. Came back to the set as soon as she was released from the hospital because the producer called and was like, when's she getting back here? Right, that's all I care about. She was on fire and her skin is like open wounds. And they were like, she needs to come back. We need to get her back in makeup and start filming again. Oh my God, they put the makeup back on her? She came back. And they put the copper makeup on her open wounds oh and her God. burnt skin. Mm. That's terrible. That's terrible. That must yeah. fucking hurt. She so, died young? Um, That's actually a really good question. I don't think I ever looked up when she died. Let's see. Her name was Margaret Hamilton. She died at the age of 82. So she was not young. No. No. She, she kept going. There's also another thing that happened on the Wizard of Oz set that a guy, somebody was like moving um, ropes. Yes. And actually in the movie, you can see him get hung. Mm -hmm. He drops, he straight up drops, and you see him right behind like Dorothy and them. Holy crap. And he's just hanging there. It's real quick, but you can see it. They have have, like videos and stuff online that you can see. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty sad. And uh, there was a point where the flying monkeys... like fell out of the sky while they were flying at one point too, and just like oh. hit the ground because yeah. the rope dropped or something. I guess they, they didn't, didn't. I guess they didn't really fly, did they? No. They didn't care that much about safety and everything back no. in the day, no. and they also didn't really give two shits about the actors. Like you know, no, the, this the, was Hollywood MGM was Studios yeah. with Judy Garland as the starring role in the 1930s. They were like, we don't give a shit what we have to do. This is going to be the best movie yeah. we can yeah. possibly put out. We're going to take a brief intermission, and when we get back, we're going to have more Cursed Movies. This episode is brought to you by The Colony Meadery. If you haven't tried mead yet, it's alcohol made from honey, and it's the fastest-growing alcoholic beverage in the United States. It's all-natural, totally gluten-free, and delicious. And one of the best meaderies in the world is right here in the Lehigh Valley. The Colony Meadery has two locations, 905 Harrison Street in Allentown and 211 East 3rd Street in the heart of Bethlehem Southside. Stop in and try a flight of meads, grab some bottles or cans to go, and experience some of the best booze in the world. They've got flavors ranging from tart and quaffable lemon laws and Wu-Tang Crayon to cinnamon vanilla series of tubes and even the sweet heat of their mango habanero. Learn more at either location or at colonymeadery.com. Ghost Encounters podcast and show is sponsored by Phoenix Fire Media. Bring the heat to your online presence with their expert social media marketing, photography, and video productions. Visit phoenixfiremedia.com. If all you spooky people are enjoying the Ghost Encounters podcast, hit subscribe and give us five stars. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ghost Encounters PA. To watch full episodes of the Ghost Encounters show, visit ghost-encounters.com.
The Spooky Shop is now open for Ghost Encounters merch. Visit ghost-encounters.com and click on Spooky Shop. And we are back. So what was the next one that you looked up? So the next one I did Amityville Horror, oh, which, yes, yes, of yes. Of course, we had the episode about specifically the Amityville Horror. So, so I'm not going to go listen. So again, <laughs> yes, again please, go listen to that one to too it. if you haven't listened to it yet. That's, a, that's actually our highest listened podcast episode. Was, we have done so many podcasts at this point and we're just like scratching the surface. Like it's so funny <laughs> no. we're going through this and we're like, yeah, refer back to this podcast. Yeah. Refer back to this episode. Refer, refer. And now I'm like, wow, we have a lot done. Like we have. Until we get to like season five. I know. I know. We have so much more to go though. There's <laughs> so much shit to talk about. All right. So and we have a horror. Yes. So I'm going to be pretty brief on this one just because we have a whole episode on this. So yeah. please go listen to it. But it's yeah. still fun. The movie is literally just like the story. It. So it is. Yeah. Yeah. Not going to go too much into it. But essentially, when George Lutz and his wife, Kathy, find a beautiful new house in a small town in Amityville, New York, um, they think it's going to be a really awesome place and they're going to have a family and everything's going to be great. So they move in with their kids. It had a really cheap price tag because of this weird history that was going along with the house. The former owner actually murdered his family um, in the home. And we'll get into that a little bit when we talk about the things that happened in the house, obviously. So um, it is commonly believed that this home is haunted and that is what the entire movie is about. It's all about how this family moves in and shit goes awry. Right, yeah. Goes very awry. Um, so I'm just gonna go right into the hauntings and tragedies because it's essentially the whole plot of the movie. <laughs> There's no additional plot. It is just <laughs> what happened. So um, it is based on a alleged true story. This house was originally addressed as 112 Ocean Avenue, but it was later changed to 108 to detour tourists um, because of the brutal slaughter that happened in the yeah. home. So 23-year-old Ronald DeFeo Jr. gunned down his parents and all four of his siblings on November 13th of 1974, and he ended up dying behind bars at the age of 69. He did claim that um, he heard voices and all of this stuff, mm -hmm. and that is what led him to killing his family. Yeah, he was possessed or something. Yeah. He claimed that he was possessed and he killed his family because of this, um, but... A month after DeFeo was convicted of the murders, the Lutz couple ended up purchasing the home with yeah, their three kids. Yeah, not long after. Yeah, it was not long at all. Like, they just got that blood off the floor and they said, move yeah. on in. And some stuff was still in the house like yeah, we talked about on our yes. podcast episode. Yeah, in yeah. our episode we talk about how they left some furniture and stuff there, which I would not want. But to each their own, I suppose. For $80,000 in 1975, I guess that was a really good yeah. deal. a huge house like that. Next it was a lake. mansion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, oceanfront, come on, or lakefront. Yeah, forget about it. The Lutzes soon started reporting some very horrendous things happening. Um, mine, that I think is just the wildest, is the green slime. So they yeah. did say that there was green slime oozing from the walls and that there were eyes peering into the house from the outside. I would lose my shit if I saw eyes staring at me yeah. at like any time, but let alone at night. And then followed up by the fact that the husband says he wakes up at 3.15 a.m. on the dot every night. Mm -hmm. And that is the time that Ronald shot his entire family in that home. There was also a book from 1977 called The Amityville Horror, and it was based on the reports and the events um, from the Lutz family. Mm -hmm. 
And they just kind of talked all about, like, all the weird, creepy things that they thought happened here. To the point where, like, people started being like, maybe they're not telling the truth. The things that they were saying were just getting wild. I mean, green slime. We all hear about things moving in a house, oh, scary noises, this, that, the other thing. But these people were talking about, like, speaking in tongues randomly. Just wild shit that people were like... That escalated quickly. I'd be one of those people. (laughs) (laughs) Be like, so the previous family never had any issues until they were murdered, and now you're trying to tell me you've lived here for a month, and your whole family is possessed. Yeah. Wild. Um, I will say, it was believed that George Lutz was dabbling in black magic, um, possibly like a cult-like things Mm -hmm. so maybe he did open a portal to something um but it is wildly believed that the family did indeed make up a lot of the hauntings and that it was indeed all a hoax yeah i think in the movie the one thing they changed they changed the green slime yes the walls bleeding Bleeding. blood yeah yeah Yeah. i think the green slime is like come on i also have green slime literally tattooed on my body (laughs) so i can't really talk there but But that's Amityville Horror. They claimed that they bought a house from a murderer and shit hit the fan and they had to get the fuck out of there. One of the crazy things that happened in the 2005 version of it um, that Ryan Reynolds was in. Yes. Yeah, I was um, just going to start talking about this. Yep. <laughs> Go ahead. You know how like the, the dad kept waking up at 3.15 yes. the night yeah. of the murders? Apparently a lot of the crew members kept waking up really? at that time too. Yeah. yeah even like even Ryan, Ryan Reynolds himself. Said oh, he was I don't waking like that. Like exactly. 315. And Ryan Reynolds has no reason to lie. No. You know no, what I mean? No, he's not no. that kind of person. No. Like, you can tell he's very blunt. He's exactly. very open about yeah. things. And you told me something earlier today about it. Oh, um. What did you say? On the to- set, it's not yeah. where the actual thing happened from Animeville. Of course, it's just, you know, a different house. Yeah. There, but... Yeah. On the set, a uh, dead body washed up on the shore where they were filming. <gasps> and, like, I get it. Like, we don't want to say that that could possibly be linked to anything that happened at, like, but this what are set the house. Odds? But what are the odds what are the that odds? while you're filming right. a horror movie, a dead fucking fisherman yeah. literally washed up on shore that right makes next me to uncomfy. you guys? Yeah, like, it's that that one spooked me a little bit when I was reading about it. Yeah. That's a little crazy. Yeah. It, absurd. Absurd. Scary. Jordan, what was the first cursed or haunted movie that you looked up? So I chose to look up The Omen. Ah, such a good one. I don't think I've ever seen this. I don't think I've seen the old one. I think I've seen bits of If you don't like creepy kids, then don't watch it. Yeah, I don't like kids in general, but... (laughs) (laughs) Probably the reason why I hate, like, kids' little giggles and, like, shows and stuff like that, because I'm always like, ooh. Yeah. Great. Ghostly kids. I don't know. Okay. So the summary of the movie is that an American diplomat named Robert, whose actor's name is Gregory Peck, adopts Damien when his wife Catherine delivers a stillborn child. After Damien's first nanny hangs herself, Father Brennan warns Robert that Damien will kill Catherine's unborn child. Oh, what? Shortly thereafter, Brennan dies and Catherine miscarries when Damien pushes her off of the balcony. Holy shit. As more people around Damien die, Robert investigates Damien's background and realizes he adopted his adopted son may be the Antichrist. Dum dum dum. <laughs> so people basically did not want this movie made. Like they wanted production to be shut down. They had a spiritual advisor that came in and warned them about making this movie, basically saying that like if you're making a movie about the devil, be prepared to let you're basically inviting the devil in. Right. So I mean... he already knew that shit was about to hit the fan. Proceed with caution. <laughs> yeah. 
So some creepy happenings. Um, Gregory Peck, who was the father that we yeah. were just talking about, before the movie was set to begin production, his son actually committed suicide. Right, oh no! Right before, yeah. So and obviously, like I said for Amityville, I don't want to say that somebody's death is obviously caused by a movie set or anything right, like that. Right, but it is a strange coincidence. But yeah, it's really, really weird and a super big tragedy. So another thing was Peck was on a flight to London to go work on the film, and his plane was struck by lightning. What? The chances of that. Yeah, just wait. There's more. <laughs> <laughs> and also on a separate trip, the producer's plane also got struck by lightning. You've no got to be shitting me. There's no way. The chances But of that. wait, there's more. No, no. God. The writer, a couple days later, after, you know, the producer came over, his plane was also struck by lightning. So on three, I gotta separate, go. con- on three separate plane flights, all of them... Three separate people yep, who all happened all to work on this going, movie. Yeah, to the all got struck by lightning in a plane. Yep. So one scene that was filmed at a zoo, which focused on, like, the reaction of baboons or something like yeah. that, the baboons were going completely crazy so they had to have an animal trainer come in and try to deal with these freaking animals but um what was the weird thing was that the animal trainer actually died the next day after tiger got a hold of his head oh my god yeah the next day yeah and it's so weird like you're at a zoo but just because the characters and like the actors and stuff came from a set they like are like making a connection that these baboons went nuts because these people came from the omen set right yeah that's Insane and wild and absurd. <laughs> like I said, I but wouldn't be surprised though. Yeah, and like the poor animal trainer that's just trying to help out. I know. Yeah. That poor person. Yeah, and that's not even a nice like. That's that's not, not even nice like quick. No. Like you're just no. in pain. Yeah. So the craziest part of this would be curse, in my opinion, is um, John Richardson, who helped make the sets of the Omen, went to work on a new set in the Netherlands. I don't know if it's exactly Netherlands. I heard Netherlands, Holland. I don't know how that works. I'm bad at geography. Um, And on a drive, which was on Friday the 13th. Of course. (laughs) Was with his wife and a special effects sculptor, Liz Moore. And they got in a serious car accident. So him and his wife were all right, but Liz wasn't so lucky. In the accident, a tire flew through the window and completely decapitated. Holy crap. Are you kidding me? Took her head clean Like a whole... Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And he said that the accident had an eerie comparison to the decapitation in the Omen movie. I'm not wow. sure what that's referencing because I don't really remember that being in the movie. But just to like have something happen to you in real life and be like, wow, I was just working on a set and this actually happened there. Right. Like, in the movie that's going to come out. That's, like, that's freaking weird. Yeah. This that's... makes me never want to work on a horror movie set ever. <laughs> no. I bet you're not the only one that says yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Richardson claimed that right before the accident, he saw a road sign that said that they were 66.6 km, which is, you know, kilometers, <laughs> to the town of, I don't know how you pronounce it, Omen, Omen. I would say Omen. So it's spelled yeah. O-M-M-E-N. Yeah. That Omen. is crazy. Omen, yeah. That's so scary. So 66.6 kilometers away from a town called Omen. And then gets in a car accident right after he sees that. And, of course, like person gets decapitated like in the yeah yeah. yeah so it's like all couldn't just be like so dead strange. upon impact or anything it had to be decapitation yeah it's kind of eerie that that is all happening all at the same time and you can correlate it to a movie that they were just seen filming you know what i mean like yeah 
Another strange thing that happened was that the production rented a plane to take aerial shots for the movie, and mm-hmm. at the last second, another company came in and like bought them out, taking the plane from them. So oh. they had to wait um, to take these aerial shots, but it was actually a freaking blessing since the plane crashed. Oh. Did it get struck by lightning? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the plane was taking off and hit a flock of birds, and oh, then crashed geez. into a car. What kind of birds? Yeah, so as it, I don't know, but as it was coming down, the plane crashed into a car, and the most ridiculous thing is that the plane hit the pilot's wife and family that was in the car. What? Holy so the pilot chances. that was in the, yeah, so like he, basically the pilot crashed into its own family members. And wife. That's terrible. Yeah. Oh my god. Like that's the, fucking unreal. The amount <laughs> of coincidences that you just said. Too many. Yeah. Too many. Too many. Yeah. That's. It's just crazy. And that's why it's. That's why it's like one of the most like cursed sets that right. I, I was looking up. Can at see least. why. Yeah. So in the 2006 remake of The Omen, during production, director John Moore lost about two days worth of footage due to a broken camera. I know that that seems pretty normal, but um, the director didn't see it that way. He attributes the malfunction to an evil spirit because apparently the broken camera kept displaying the error message, error 666. Of course. <laughs> and when a repairman came and looked at the camera, he insisted that that error doesn't exist. What? At all. I would have to say that no like company would hardwire something to be like, oh, this is the error, yeah. error code. Yeah. That's, that's, that's so, like crazy. It makes See, sense, that would creep but, me out. like, I don't like it. Yeah. That no. would be like, all right, maybe we shouldn't, just, we should just stop this movie. We, we should lost the footage. Like, yeah. It's over. It's done with. Gotta head out. <laughs> <laughs> but a cool side note that I found in my research was that um, there was also apparently a curse on the Passion of the Christ set. Okay. So not only evil sets have curses, apparently. Because you know this one's about Jesus. Okay. Um, So the actor that played Jesus um, while he was filming dislocated his shoulder and accidentally got whipped for real. So the reaction that he was having in the movie and the blood was probably his. Oh, my God. Um, He actually formed an allergy to the makeup that they used, which caused skin infections and severe headaches. Jeez. Um, While filming, he got hypothermia and pneumonia. And lastly, he was struck by lightning. Here comes the no. lightning again. No. So, yeah, so while he was filming, he was struck by lightning. And wait, there's more. The director of the film was also struck by lightning. Jesus. Not what? once, not once, but twice. There's on no set. way you can't all during production. The chances of of Like it's very it's not common to get once. struck by lightning. No. Yeah. Being struck twice. It's like that there's this dude that died who was struck by lightning, and apparently after he was buried and stuff. Even his grave got struck by lightning. What the what heck? Oh yeah. God. See, that's crazy. That's weird insane. shit. Yeah, that's eerie. That. Uh, so I, that's the weird shit that happened during the Omen. All <laughs> right. My mind is blown after that. That's really creepy. This, those coincidences are too, too crazy. Yeah, it's. I don't that's even have words. Blows my. The fact that it, both sets, like yeah. both movies. Yeah, and yeah. I just had to throw in the Passion of the Christ yeah. there real quick. Just well, of to course, say, like, yeah. you know. the connection with lightning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the uh, next movie that you looked so up? So the next one I looked up was Rosemary's Baby. Oh, my God. So the summary of the film is a young wife comes to believe that her offspring is not of this world. Um, the mother, um, by the actress, is Mia Farrow, which we're going to also talk about later. Um, and her struggling actor husband... Guy moved to a New York City apartment building with an ominous reputation and odd neighbors, Roman and Minnie. When Rosemary becomes pregnant, she becomes increasingly isolated, and the diabolical truth is revealed only after Rosemary gives birth. 
That's not really a good synopsis, in my opinion. I feel like there should be more. Yeah, it's very vague. But very I guess vague. apparently Rosemary's Baby did come out as devilish, I guess. Yeah, I love mm-hmm. the I love the um like the movie picture that they they show online where it's like her face is in the background, it's just a little stroller. <laughs> just like, oh my Creepy. god, what the fuck is in the stroller? You know, you get all creeped out. But um so some hauntings and tragedies that happened while filming or after I should say after filming. Like the last movie that I talked about, people also did not want this movie made. Like really? were really strong about it. Um it had a lot of negativity surrounding its production. Um, which probably didn't help things in the future. Right. But most of all these weird things that happened were after the movie came out, not okay. really during. Okay. Rosemary's Baby is a, another film that is linked to a real-life tragedy, which I didn't know about until I did research. The composer of the film named Christoph Komeda, I think that's how you pronounce the last name, died in 1969 after falling off a rocky slope at a party. Ooh. But apparently a friend of his accidentally pushed him off by, like they were joking around. Oh. I don't know. Made it Joke seem like it, yeah. <laughs> Made it seem like it was an accident. So Komeda entered a coma, and four months later he died. So this is very similar to a character's death in the novel. Okay. Which like is completely creepy, especially since you're talking about yeah. people flying off cliffs and yeah. stuff like that. Um, the friend later killed himself out of guilt, which mm. is sad, but you know probably would do the same yeah because it's just so sad that you accidentally killed your friend yeah i don't know how you could live through that yeah um the producer william castle was also hospitalized for kidney stones this is a really popular one that people talk about and supposedly he was hallucinating in the hospital and actually yelled a line from the movie oh so he was yelling, Rosemary, for God's sakes, drop the knife. Oh! While he was hallucinating. Oh my God, no, imagine thank that. You. Yeah, like, could you imagine, like, you you obviously know that he is, like, a part of the filming process, but, like, to try to treat a patient and they're just, like, hallucinating. Yelling at someone who's about not there to yeah, drop the knife. Oh my God, yeah, no so thanks. Creepy. So he did recover from his kidney stones, but he never okay. received the same amount of fame again. Like, this was yeah. it for him. Next, we're going to talk about Sharon Tate. So okay. we talked about her in our Charles Manson episode, yeah. so please go listen. Again, oh my god, this episode is so many. Go back and listen. So leading up to her death, um, Roman Polanski, which we all know, um, directed this movie, and he. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard for me to talk about him because he's a fucking pedophile, yeah. and he yeah. is also a trashy human being. Yep. But um, it's said that Sharon Tate got interested in the occult after not receiving the lead role in Rosemary's Baby. Like, Roman really wanted her to be the lead actress, and the studio was basically like, no, you're going to take Mia Farrow. And that was it. So, um, in my research, I saw so many sources say that she was weirdly drawn to the film and the story behind everything that she lingered around the set almost all the time. Um... Yeah. She was actually an unaccredited guest in the movie at one of the parties. Hmm. So if you pay attention, maybe Because she here. was just there. Yeah, because she was there, so they had her in there. Um, she just wanted to be a part of the project so freaking bad. That's weird that yeah. you want to be a part of this it's movie. something like, like weird. this And she dark. was pregnant at yeah. the time. So it's Which just that is weird. Weird. freaky really and weird. weird. So as we know, a pregnant Tate was brutally stabbed to death yep. by the Manson family in 1969, yeah. which was rumored to be a ritual sacrifice. Yep. But like we talked about in the other episode, um, they wrote Helter Skelter in like Blood on the Wall, yes. where Tate was killed. Creepy. Here we go. Helter Skelter is a Beatles song, um, which was connect, which we can connect to John Lennon, and he was killed across the street 
where Rosemary Baby was filmed. What? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's weird that like you that have so you have Sharon Tate, weird. her death, they wrote Helter Skelter, and then you can link that to John Lennon. Yeah. And then he died right across the street from where it was. Wild. Filmed. So it's like this big That's crazy. It all circle. comes back. Yeah. 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 I still find it weird that Pregnant Tate was so obsessed with this obsessed movie. Obsessed with wanting to be a part of this movie, and then she ends up her Dead. baby ends up being stabbed exactly out of her stomach. Yeah. exactly and there's um like a quote that i heard about but it's not like they don't know if it's real or not where basically sharon t was saying like people think the devil's ugly but in reality he's beautiful or something like that oh. like she was very accepting of satan according to one of her friends okay. that like, was a part of this quote but i didn't use it because i don't know if it's actually true or not yeah. it doesn't yeah. have any sights so yeah but that is all the weird stuff that happened on those my god yeah. these are some mind-boggling things that I happen know. on these that happen with these movies and That's the sets and everything crazy. it's crazy yeah well before we go obviously we're gonna go to our section of the podcast called spooky fan stories spooky fan story um, thank you again yaz for this topic for this episode and this next spooky fan story also comes from yaz um I think she said the most source she wants to keep it anonymous. Yeah, so we're like not going to say anyone's names yeah. or anything. Okay. Yeah, she wants but, to But uh, shout out Yaz, who's in yes. California listening to us. Thanks for this topic and thanks for your spooky fan yes. story. Jordan, why don't you go ahead and read her spooky fan story? Yeah, she also sent us a couple other ideas Ooh, too. So maybe awesome. if you stick around, Yaz, you'll hear them. So starting with the spooky fan story, we're only going to have one today. Um, get comfy because this is actually a little bit of a long one. Yay! <laughs> um, so here we go. Hello, I was listening to the latest episode, and as you guys started speaking about gins, the dots started to just connect. I believe one was terrorizing my sister when she was a toddler. Oh, oh my God. God. This was nearly 12 years ago, and I was only 11, so I have very vague memories of it, but somehow this has come up in conversation with my parents recently, and they were talking about how she was having these awful fits and night terrors following the death of my grandmother. My family is Muslim, but my parents practice very loosely, so I never learned about the connection of jinns and Shaden. I was only ever taught Shaitan was the Islamic version of the devil himself. So I actually looked this up. The definition says that there are evil spirits in Islam inciting humans to sin by whispering to the heart. Okay. Yes. Did I say that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. And jinns are said to like whisper okay. things into people's ears. And Interesting. And yeah. So stuff. I think that's how she made this connection. So going off um, what she was saying. Hearing about it on the podcast led me to do some of my own research, and I genuinely believe one followed my sister when she was two. So the whole first part, she basically sent a separate message, and I just wanted to <laughs> add it in there because it was a little doozy. So here's her full story. This happened around 12 years ago. My younger sister was two and I was 11, so neither of us remember much of what happened, but hearing my parents describe it was terrifying. Not too long after my grandma passed away, my sister began having these intense fits mm -hmm. she would kick and scream bloody murder she would have night terrors and all of that stuff dang being so young though she couldn't really explain what was wrong so could you imagine like you're yeah. having this happen to you and you can't put that stuff into words no, no. yeah especially at two yeah that's very young my parents said they were telling our family friends about this and their faces went pale it's important to mention that my family is muslim like we already talked about but they're very straightforward with Allah is God and Shaitan is the devil. They never taught me about jinns and other evil entities like that. 
but her family friends said their brother had dealt with quote-unquote cases like this before, and they recommend we call him right away for a prayer guide. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. My parents didn't really understand what they meant, but they called our friend's brother, who lived in Afghanistan at the time, and he said a prayer out of the Quran on speakerphone over my sister's head. My mom said it was like my sister was going through an exorcism. Both of my parents and my uncle had to hold her down because she was hysterical and thrashing around oh while the God. prayer was being said wow. over the phone. Which is crazy. Like, you're, yeah. you're on a telephone call having an exorcism. A That's insane. Holy exorcism crap. being done across the world. You can do exorcism the world. Yes. Yes. now, I guess. World. That's insane. We don't know what it was, but whatever evil spirit that was following her seemed to disappear after the prayer was finished. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, I don't remember much since I was so young as well, but hearing about jinn and relating it to the situation and our Islamic ties, I have a gut feeling that this is what was messing with her as a child. I don't think it possessed her or physically harmed her in any way, but with her being a young age, I feel like she didn't have a way to communicate that there was something wrong. I feel like those fits were only a way that she could explain something was really terrorizing her. Well, yeah, I mean, at the age of two, how do you put that into yeah. words? You can't. You yeah. can't. But it does kind of sound like a gym was kind of, like, possessing her. Yeah, exactly. It's it, crazy that, like, after this prayer is done, she's fine. Perfectly yeah, fine. exactly. I think that it's was neat that an, she she did this research on her own just from listening to us talk about something. That is something. so cool. Yeah, that's, that's you good on her. her. Yeah. Yeah. She's badass. That's awesome. awesome. And I'm happy that... Very happy to have you as a listener. Yes. yes. Super. And I'm happy that everything worked out with yes. this whole story and you guys are safe and everything like that. Thank God, yeah. Yeah, so thank you so much for your story. We really appreciate it. That was an awesome story. Yeah, yeah that thank was... Thank you very good. much. It gave me the chills a couple times when I was reading. Oh, I could imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, everyone else out there, uh, if you have fan stories, again, send them to ghostencounterstories at gmail.com. Thank you again, Yaz, for this topic, for this yes. podcast, this yes. fan story. And thank you to all of our listeners. We appreciate all of you. Give us comments. Write to us on social. Send your stories in. Um, give us reviews. Um, five-star reviews would be awesome on yeah. wherever you're listening to this Heck podcast. Yeah. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, it helps us get more people listening. Yes. If you give us a five-star review, the more we get, it pops up more on like Apple Podcasts, all those things for new listeners. Yes. And we can give you more stuff. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yes, exactly. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Stay spooky. Keep on creeping on. Don't get in a plane in a lightning storm. (laughs) 